Welcome back, everyone. We are back for episode six of Nicking Around. And the Knicks have kind of, I, mean, I don't think it's crazy to say the Knicks have kind of just continued kind of being a pretty good basketball team. You know, obviously there have been some games that they've lost. They were like, eh, you know, not the best situation in the world. But for the most part, they've played good basketball all year. We're kind of entering, uh, we're closing in towards that trade deadline. Uh, so we'll definitely make sure we cover that. But uh, I think kind of the hot topic coming off of the win last night is is Julius Randle, who dropped, what, 36 points on the Cavs. I think he had 13 rebounds or something. And it was 36, 13, and 8. I posted it yesterday. Um, yeah, my, my brain's a little bit scrambled. Uh, but, um, I mean, Julius Randle kind of continues to have this, this, this resurgence year. And I, I think it's fair to say yeah. he's kind of the best version. I would say he's the best version of Julius Randle we've seen in terms of just being a complete offensive player uh, and doing things like he's spaced the floor significantly better. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of his role in the offense, it's significantly better. He's prioritized kind of rebounding a little more than passing now that Brunson's around. Um, and in a sense, kind of ever since that first month, really where he didn't look necessarily phenomenal. Um, he's become, I think the best player on this team, or at least the best scorer on this team. Uh, and he's kind of gone toe to toe with uh, plenty of high scoring, high volume shooters in the league. Uh, and I can't really say enough good about Rand. I feel like every time we record, it's like he gets better and better and better. Uh, and last night, it's just another example of what has become, you know, uh, an incredible year for Julius Randall, all-star season. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, 36 points, 8 for 12 from 3. Uh, he has been shooting a lot of threes, obviously. We've talked about this before. It's probably the best like shot diet he's ever had in his career. He's taking so many threes. He's making them at a high rate. Um, he's getting to the line all the time. He's not taking a lot of those long contested twos that he had a tendency to just shoot a ton of the last couple of years, especially last year, you know, a couple of years ago in uh, 2021, when he was like having that great season, it was okay that he was taking those shots because he was making them. So it's a little different, but you know, we look at it now and we're looking at a guy who's almost up to season averages of 25 and 11. Um, those are like, those are superstar numbers. Obviously he's not a superstar player, but he's getting there as far as like, you know, becoming one of those premier players in the NBA that you kind of have to watch out for. And you know, to combine that with Jalen Brunson, you know, the Knicks have something here. And actually before, I don't, I don't know if I said this on the last episode, but I definitely thought it like uh, I was thinking about it right after I was worried. And this, we, it's been a while since we last recorded. I'm not sure exactly when, but it was before um, Mitchell Robinson went down. Right. And what I was concerned about was the fact that the Knicks have six guys. I think that if one of them gets hurt, uh, your season's kind of like over, right? You look at it and and obviously that's really a stretch, but like you look at other teams in the league, top teams, and they can kind of endure injuries. What I'm worried about with New York is that they can't, right? Like if Randall got hurt, it's over. If Brunson got hurt, like you're not winning those games. If Barrett's if Barrett gets hurt, same thing. Grimes quickly and Robinson. Those six guys, like you really need to those six guys to like stay healthy and play well if you really want to make a run for anything. And the fact that Robinson got hurt already is really concerning. You know, obviously it was kind of a fluke injury, not something to be super concerned about, but uh, at least long-term, but for now they're going to really struggle. I'm, I'm shocked they could beat Cleveland. Um, And I I know the Knicks, we were talking about this last time they beat the Cavs where it was like, we know that this team matches up well with Cleveland, right? Because you know, the way that the Cavs win games is with those two big men, uh, Mobley and Allen, and they just kind of dominate teams with their size, right? Um, 
obviously, you know, they're not as big as they were last year with Markinen, but they also didn't have a superstar like they do now in Donovan Mitchell. But I mean, the Knicks match up well with a team like Cleveland where they, um, because they have two big guys who, you know, are, you know, like dominant in the post in Robinson and Randall, obviously Robinson didn't play yesterday, but Hartenstein played well, which is fucking shocking to be honest. But uh, yeah, I think Cleveland's the only team at the top of the East that I look at and I say like, this is a team that we could beat in a seven game series, um, which obviously is really projecting and looking forward. But um, it's about time, especially with the trade deadline coming up that you start to think about those type of things. Like, where is this team? What can they be? Obviously you've um, overperformed any projection, right? Like, you know, most, this team, despite their record being lower than it probably should be, has been a much better team than almost anyone expected. So, you know, we're looking at a tough little stretch here with Boston and Brooklyn um, coming up and then LA who might have LeBron trying to break the scoring record. We'll see about that. But I mean, just looking at what the Knicks have done the last, you know, like month and a half now at this point, it's been almost two months of them playing just really high level basketball, right? They were 10 and 13. They're now 16 and 23. So they're what 16 and 10 in the last 26, which isn't amazing, but it's definitely right around where you'd want this team ideally to be. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of a, of a 16 and 10 stretch, you know, over an 80, 82 game season, that's 50 wins, you know, you're playing like a 50 win team, you know, you're going to do a lot of, you're going to be uh, considered a pretty, uh, a pretty strong contender. Uh, now, ultimately, this team, as we approach the deadline, as we kind of approach these tougher stretches, as you mentioned, you know, this team's kind of, you know, at any point in time, one injury away from really struggling. And that Mitchell Robinson injury is uh, definitely one they're going to feel, especially at a position like center where, you know, I think, you know, you look at Sims and Hart and that's not necessarily the best duo in the world uh, for your starting and backup center situation. I think Sims can play at a, at, you know, play strong defense with Mitchell Robinson, I think is a lot better than people give him credit for. I think a lot of people assume he's kind of replaceable and that, you know, he can kind of, you know, throw someone else in there or just another big body that doesn't shoot and that they'll just do whatever Mitch does. And it's very clear that Mitchell Robinson is a significantly better player than people have given him credit for, uh, for a very long time now. Uh, and quite frankly, looking at this deadline, I think this team's good enough not to necessarily go out and go guns a blaze and start throwing out first round picks left and right. But I, I think this team deserves to be supplemented. You know what I mean? I think this team, this roster, this, this uh, group of guys have earned, you know, getting some sort of reinforcements right you know I, I think there's an aspect of you know when you're going into a deadline how a team feels you know I, I don't think it's gonna not that it's not that it would be awful if they do nothing not that it would be the end of the world if they do nothing I can completely understand getting priced out of certain things uh but I, I can't imagine in that in that locker room if you ask anyone in that locker room how they would feel if they were to not sign if they were not to acquire anyone or not to trade anyone and that's kind of the group they rolled with they probably they probably be a little bit disappointed you know i think this group feels like they're good enough to be invested in i think this group feels like they're good enough to make a little bit of a push um you know i, I don't really know what on the market stands out as like that big move but i don't think this team necessarily is going to be in the market of making big moves just cuz you don't really see big time star level players trade at the deadline i think harden might be like the only exception to that you don't really see you know these top level top Top ten. I mean Halliburton. I was. I wasn't he a deadline deal as well? But I wouldn't consider him a top ten player at the time. You know what I mean? I mean he was, but also I don't know if I'd consider. First of all, I wouldn't consider him a top ten player now. No, I neither would I. Um, I mean he's obviously great, and he's having. You know, if you look at like advanced metrics, he's probably been top ten this year. But it's really tough to call a guy like that. Not any. Not like any diss on him, but I just don't think he like top ten is 
true talent yeah, versus are, production is different. I like think. we're talking about like top ten players. We're talking about Luka Doncic and right, you know, and Zion Jokic Williamson and, and Jokic and Embiid. Right, like you know, Halliburton's not quite on that level, but you know, you don't see superstars traded at the deadline, but you can definitely get some good pieces. I think the one thing I struggle with is how where like where do you upgrade right. because you look at this team obviously they need a bench scorer right but you're not going to go out and trade for i don't know og Ananobi to be a bench scorer you trade for aaron or not aaron eric gordon to be a stretch uh to be a bench scorer right to just come in play like 15 20 minutes a game and give up give you 10 12 points a game and honestly i would be ecstatic if they could get that done anything we need bench scoring more than anything, which is yeah. kind of, it's kind of unbelievable that I'm saying this because at the beginning of the year, I would have told you the Knicks are the deepest team in the league, but they've gone and ostracized half their players. And I mean, that's not completely their fault. Like Cam Reddish is not good. There's nothing that, you know, but like Evan Fournier is yeah. definitely the type of guy. I, I really do think that he could be a better, but I think he'd come off the bench and play better than Miles McBride has. And that's nothing against McBride. He just hasn't really lived up to what we've expected from him. You know, um, I think that part of that is just a confidence issue and an aggressiveness issue because we've seen him, you know, in the G League and in college put up 30 points, 35 points on the regular. Um, I don't see a reason why he couldn't just come in the game. He'd be more aggressive, but he's not. And so knowing that, you kind of have to work around that, right? And I don't know where you find that guy, right, who can be that bench scorer. Eric Gordon is a guy I've seen thrown around a lot. I I wouldn't hate that. I think that's a good move. I know a lot of Knicks fans are like, well, is is Eric Gordon really going to like push us over the hump? I think Eric Gordon is a good enough ceiling raiser for this team where you can be like, you know, you can identify that the starting lineup has no weakness, right? At this point, which is crazy to say because of what we, we've been through the last couple of years with Alec Burks at point guard and, you know, uh, Alfred Payton was a nightmare. But now you look at it and it's like, you know, like – and obviously coming into the year, you expected more from Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier, right? Even even if you didn't expect Fournier to continue to start, like I think both of us were like were like on the Grimes train from the beginning of the year. I I know I definitely was. I'm not so sure about you, Ryan, but um if we look at what the Knicks expected from their bench, they kind of expected that bench they've had the last couple of years where Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly were coming off the bench and giving them like, you know, one of the better benches in the league, which was what they have had the last two years. Last year they had the bench best bench in the league. It just had they just had the worst starting lineup. And now they have the best starting lineup, I think second best in net rating behind the Warriors, and like the worst bench in the league. Um the Knicks and the Warriors right now are very similar teams in, as far as like the bench and the starters go, but uh that's you know kind of a coincidence more than anything. I just I just really think that there's more that this team could do to build a bench unit that doesn't rely so much on having you know, a starter out there with them, which obviously most teams who have, you know, multiple starters who are like, you know, capable of giving you 30, right? Uh, we've seen in the last four games, actually, wow, that's actually unbelievable. I didn't realize this. The Knicks have had at least one guy score 30 points in every single game since December 21, uh, December 21st, except for one. So that would be... 33 to 49. That's 17 games. Now 16 out of the last 17 games, the Knicks have had a guy score 30 points. Um, and it's been four different guys, right? It's been Grimes, Barrett, Randall, and Brunson, obviously. But I think we build a bench unit, right? With behind obviously Emmanuel quickly. If 
you know, I think if he got the recognition he deserved, he would be a candidate for six man of the year, especially given that the people we're talking about are fucking Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk, not taking anything away from them, but they're not nearly as good of bench players as Emmanuel quickly. If, if anyone I think is not getting enough respect for bench player, uh, six man of the year, it's Alex Caruso, but that's just because he doesn't score enough points. Right. And uh, NBA fans are enamored by points. Um, which I, I know it's kind of hypocritical after just talking about how badly we need scoring off the bench, but um, I think finding the right fit for that position is is probably the most important thing to do here because I don't think the Knicks – I think there's two types of trades that the Knicks could swing and I'd be happy with. One would be trading up, right? Trading, you know, RJ or Grimes for, like, a legitimate star at the wing position, which you're not going to be able to do at the deadline, right? You know, like the Mitchell trade, right, uh, that Cleveland did, something like that. Um, for the next guy that comes available, which I think might be Devin Booker, that would be amazing. Um, but you know, or you go and you trade for a guy who can give you, you know, 15, 20 minutes off the bench and can fill it up and give you 20 points on occasion. Cause the Knicks really need that. It's, it's becoming a necessity more and more as you know, their starters have been playing out of their minds, dropping 30 a game, and then their bench kind of comes in and they can't score. So yeah, I don't think that, you know, a trade for OG Ananobi, for example, would be ideal. Yeah, you know, ultimately, when I'm looking at, you know, the trade deadline as well, uh, you mentioned, you know, like, is is there, like, there are next end we're going to say, like, is Eric Gordon uh, going to go out there and, like, push us over the edge? Like, unless you're getting a star, this team isn't really going from, like, playoff team that can maybe match up well with one of the uh, higher seeds and, and ambush them and take them out in the first round to winning the finals. Right. You know, like, it's not like, you know, OG is going to come to the Knicks and suddenly they're going to win the NBA finals. Like that's not usually how that works. Right. Unless again, you're getting that superstar player, which doesn't really seem available at the deadline. Like, again, yeah, or your just... team that's already there, like the Denver Nuggets could go, could go trade for Ananobi and they'd probably win the finals. Right. Because right. that's, and actually, now that I think about it, I kind of just said Denver because they're one of the best teams in the league. I think that would be a perfect fit. However, uh, I don't know. I just first of all, it's just not going to happen. But um, I I don't think the Raptors should trade in. I don't think he's the guy they should be looking to trade. I think they should be looking to trade Scotty Barnes because uh, he capitalized on his value while it's still high because he's really bad this year. Yeah, um, I don't I don't and, know why he, he made that comment to Grimes. He, about not being him grimes is clearly the better fucking player there I'm, I'm sorry yeah and i know that a lot of people are gonna disagree with that but i don't so i'm not going yeah to I, I think those people are wrong <laughs> so yeah and then you're gonna get the whole delusional Knicks fan thing which is fair to an extent but let's crunch another i think here. here it's like not i think it's here it's like completely valid to say quinn and grimes is better than scotty barnes like i don't think we're talking about like comparing quinn and grimes to like an established top 30 player in the nba or something like that we're talking about like you know, the guy I'm a good second year guy who got completely overrated last year because of a really, really poor rookie class uh, last right. year. I mean, obviously, they're kind of stepping it up this year, especially Jalen Green. Jalen Green's been amazing this year, but, um, you know, Scotty Barnes is he kind of got that credit for winning rookie of the year, which he deserved. I'm not denying that. But at the same time, you know, uh he wasn't the, as good last year as a normal rookie of the year is. And then now he's getting the credit because he won it. And then, ah, I don't know. It's, I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on Scotty Barnes right now, but what I, I am think... saying is that I think if you're Toronto, I don't see why he's the guy you're trying to trade either go full rebound, full rebuild, rebuild, my God, and trade everyone, trade Siakam, trade Ananobi, trade Barnes, trade them all. Right. 
And, you know, those, those four guys, their core, I don't understand how they're so bad. Like they beat the Knicks every time because they, they own the Knicks for whatever reason. But yeah, I don't um, think I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to see a Knicks team that like beats them in a season series in my lifetime. I just, but at the same time, I just don't see how they're this bad. It makes no sense to me. I don't know, man. I have no dude. I legit because like, you want, like, look at it and like Siakam is a superstar, right? Siakam's probably a top 20 player in the league. And then um obviously Van Vliet is awful. And so that's part of the reason why. But you know, Ananobi, Barnes. Like, are we sure he's awful? Like, I, I don't it's weird he's, because like like Fred Van Vliet is probably the most inefficient player in the entire league. It's weird. Like, okay. Because like it's weird he's shooting thirty eight percent from the field, Ryan. I know, I know. It's just like it's one of those. He's things He's averaging where... nineteen points on eleven on what nineteen shots. Jeez, okay, that's bad. I I thought he was like I, he's getting hot, right? The last four I, games, I thought he was 30, shooting from three. He's at thirty three, thirty nine, twenty five, twenty eight. Yeah, he used to be an amazing three point shooter. Uh, maybe it's just a down year. Um, yeah, but like he's also six one, and that's probably generous. He's tiny, right? For for a for an NBA player, he's tiny, right? He gets you kind know. of abused by every uh, every bigger guard. I, I mean, I don't know. I think if Ananobi's actually on the market, I don't think that's the move for the Knicks, though, is my main point. I think someone will. Uh, I think someone with will be more desperate to one have him and number two be able to give him more minutes and thus value him higher and and, and yeah, offer like, more assets. My question would be, if you trade for Ananobi, where is he playing? Right, like you look is he at, gonna start where Barrett? Is that gonna be the game plan? I just there's just no way that the Knicks give up on Barrett like that. Right, and then there's no way that they don't start Grimes. Right, and then, if they don't start Grimes, I think that'd be. I don't. I don't that's I don't just know mismanagement on their part. And then if they use him off the bench as like their quote unquote sixth man, like that's you know. misuse of Ananobi. Right, especially since you're gonna be committing. Some decent draft capital. Well, especially like, if this three first, which I don't believe is true. Neither do I. I don't think that Toronto Toronto media member who put this out there. Like, I don't know if this is fully true, but supposedly they have an offer for three first round picks for him. Which, if they do, take that. Like, I think, and I think, and the other reason why I don't believe it is because I know I know Masai Ujiri is a great executive. He's not the type of guy to just you know sit on his hands. Um, we've already seen him make ballsy moves like trading your fucking franchise player in the middle of a contending window, um, which I, I actually respect the hell out of that uh, when they traded DeRozan. Obviously, you're trading for Kawhi, so it's not like you just but got it's rid still of him, a risk. But, still a risk. But it's still a risk, and it paid off. Yeah, and you were perfectly fine with, like, he could leave, and, and you could be left with nothing, and you don't get Well, and fuck. even if you lost, like, even if that Kawhi shot that goes, you know, three bounces off the rim or whatever to beat, uh, was it Philly? I think it was yeah. Philly, right? That Philly team was good. Uh, they had they had uh, Embiid and Harden, uh, not Harden, Embiid and Butler and Simmons when Simmons was good. And Harris before he was, like, bad. Yeah, Tobias Harris over me. Uh, anyways, uh, no, I love Jimmy Butler. But I think if you look at, like, the Knicks and what they need, it's not OG Ananobi. And I know, you know, he's a great player. He plays great defense. He's young. He would fit the system beautifully, right? But it's just not a necessity. It's not what you need. 
it, the only again the only situation where I think this quote unquote works is again if you're starting him over Barrett, but then that would be a situation where half a year into extending RJ Barrett, you gave up on him as a starting NBA player. Like that would just which that would be a weird. RJ would win six men of the year if he came off the bench. I'm just I, I don't, I don't, I don't like. I, I think what I say. About I, don't, Lyle, I don't hate him coming off the bench. Like neither do even, I. Even with this team, I, I've talked, we've talked about this before. I don't hate the idea of starting Emmanuel Cookley over him. And it's not that I think Emmanuel Cookley's a better basketball player. I just think he's a better fit for the starting lineup. And I think you bring that scoring, which like we were talking about, we need bench scoring, right? And it's not like bench shooting, right? Because the shooting is not the problem. The problem is they don't have anyone who can just sit like get you a bucket, right? And, and I imagine that would help. That that would be RJ Barrett can get you a bucket. Like he can isolate and score. Um, which, you know, Evan Fournier, you can't really expect that from. Or uh Isaiah Hartenstein or Obi Toppin. Like those guys are system players, right? And RJ, as much as you know, he is the third option on this team, is not a system player. He's a He's not a regular third option. He plays like a number one option, even though he's not. I get what you're saying. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not like he's okay. He's, you know, going for a catch and shoot, you know, and that's how he generates his points. He very much, he gets the ball. He will, uh, you know, he'll drive to the basket when need be, you know, and RJ has been like the, the thing that's fascinating is ever since his injury he's kind of quietly shot pretty decently, you know, his three point shootings, I think 36%. It's like, he's struggling efficiency wise. It's again, it's weird. It's like, he's, he just hasn't figured out of like defense has been such a weird point for RJ Barrett all year where it's like, I feel like I, I just don't understand how he's not so like i don't understand if he was as good of a defender as he was let's say in year two with this with his like shooting and offense numbers right now like we'd be looking at a top 50 player in the nba right it's just the defense has been so fucking unexplainably bad this year uh and it's kind of sad to see because like this is a guy who has such a high defensive ceiling and he just it's it's weird it's like he doesn't it's it's a maybe maybe and it's weird because if you put him in a bench role you know it feels like he'd be taking on a lot more difficult defensive assignments, but in the same, in the same vein, you kind of think about a lineup where you have, I don't uh, think that's true. Do you not think you'd be taking on tough? I mean, it depends. It's big. Well, the other thing about the, the other thing about the Knicks, the way that they like run their defense is they will put Quentin Grimes on anybody. It doesn't matter what position like Quentin Grimes was guarding Stephen Curry and he was guarding Pascal Siakam. So, um, you know, it does. It doesn't matter. Like they don't care about size as far as Grimes goes. And then Barrett normally is on the second best guy on their team, and that's, I think, the problem with having him next to Brunson. Which I don't think th- I don't think anyone talked about this enough at the beginning of the year when they signed him. What uh, when they signed Brunson was like the fact that you have to play those two guys together. Um, and obviously, we're ex- you weren't expecting this, right? This poor defensively. Uh, th- I'm sorry, Barrett to be this poor defensively, but you know. There's not really much you can do about it. In his last 12 games, he's shooting, what, 44% from three. So he's kind of finding that shot. That's huge. I know he airballed the clutch three, which was, like, at least hit the rim. If you hit the rim, then no one's going to ridicule you for it. But he airballed. Anyways. It's um, a good look. Yeah. Like, a good no, no, shot. I mean, like, that it was, was good not look a good look. Like, yeah, not that, that is, like, yeah. in terms of, like, uh, fucking getting trolled. But, I, I mean – He's shooting better from three, which is what you, I mean, it's a huge thing. I mentioned, I think, 
I forgot when exactly I mentioned it, uh, but I was like, you know, every time RJ Barrett kind of comes close to being a, like, you know, having that stretch where you're like, oh gosh, he's going to get his like uh, season numbers up to like league average or close to an efficiency. Then he like completely slumps after something crazy happens. Uh, I don't think that's happened. Like, you know, I'm looking back, I'm trying to expand the sample size a little bit here. Uh, if we're going back to his last 26 games, he's shooting 39% from three, 46% for the field, 75% from the free throw line, 21.7 points a game. I can't like true shooting average that in my head head uh because i'm not crazy at math like that but i would take that line from how many games you said 26 26 yeah i I would yeah you mean including the okay that's not the okc game i thought you were including i thought you were including the one that he only scored four points no uh no if we look at uh the last 26 games i can get these numbers just give me a second um for true shooting 22 points a game Six rebounds a game, three assists a game, shooting 46% from the field, 39.4 from three. And then if we switch here, we can get, uh, since OKC, he's shooting a true shooting percentage of 57.1%, which is... I will more than take that. That's Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this, plus minus this RJ... Like, yeah, that's is money, dude. Exactly what we're looking for. This is what we've been looking for for years, right? Right. Um, and obviously he starts slow. It's almost unexplainable how he just comes out every year and cannot shoot the ball. It makes no sense to me. But is there a way to get career career splits? We're gonna go career splits. Are gonna find his. I'm gonna second find half. His, I'm gonna find his his October three. His October. Okay, his November three point shooting percentage. His career is twenty nine percent. October is thirty two percent. What is May, it in like June or okay, not June? May, like, May forty five percent, April forty three point five percent, March thirty two percent, February thirty eight percent, January thirty seven percent. So basically, the second, the second the half year, of the year, as soon as as soon as you hit the new year, split year, yes, like, okay, all post All Star break thirty seven percent from three versus thirty four post All Star break in his career, yeah, and then what's three thirty four percent. So it's a there's a thir- well 37.8 percent so there's a 30- yeah so i mean that's a drastic uptick yeah. it really makes no sense it doesn't no it it really does not i don't i i and it's like i get it if it was like one year he just came out and just threw up bricks for a couple months and then figured it out that's one thing throwing up a couple uh, throwing up bricks for a couple months every single year at the same time makes no sense it's uh he's a he's he's an interesting player to say to say the least uh in terms of and one of the I think one of the weirdest things here is that this like this year December and January fifty seven percent true shooting in both those months October was forty seven point nine like and, and the and it's it, the defensive rating this month's been bad and I don't know defensive rating isn't perfect but I don't still, think like, defensive rating is a like that's a team stat but it's weird like I don't I don't know how to like R J Barrett's very much like. The question at this point is, and I've said this all year, it feels like, if R.J. Barrett could just be a good defender, man, if he could just consistently play the good defense that we know he's capable of, I don't think we are ever discussing R.J. Like, man, I wonder what R.J. Like, uh, man, I wonder, uh, you know, if we're going to move to a bet. Like, this just wouldn't be a conversation. Like, I'm not saying this where that we're sitting here saying, like, oh, man, I wonder if R.J. Barrett's good or not. The conversation would be more like, hey, is R.J. Barrett good or is he, like, like, is he really, really good? You know what I mean? Like, is this a a solid, you know, a good starting NBA player? Or, or is this about, an all-star? 
Right. Like, I think that's kind of that. And, and this is where basketball and a lot of sports are like this, that we, you know, baseball is a sport where you could play offense and defense, where your defense just matters so much in terms of your overall standing in the league. Um, and as you mentioned with, you know, putting him in a bench role, I mean, I don't know how McBride would kind of fit into any of this. I know that he hasn't played great lately, but I, I don't okay. imagine they would just. The RJ benching is more theoretical than it is. Right. I'm just saying, like, like practical. That will never happen. He, like he signed a it, four-year deal. He will not, not come one. off the bench one game in those four years. The way the way I'm looking at it, though, is even if the Knicks like RJ Barrett put him back, like not put him back. He is in the rotate, uh, the starting lineup. Uh, but if the Knicks are looking to acquire a bench starter, you know, you don't be a byproduct and, of having. And the other so thing about the, guys... the Knicks is that they already have they have six starters, right? They play right. six guys thirty-five minutes a game, and. <laughs> that's a stretch they play six guys like 30 minutes a game right quickly i think recently they, give, they play six guys as with starter minutes basically right and and emmanuel quickly also it's not just that he plays starter minutes he also plays so many of his minutes with the starters so i i think you need like one bench player because right now they, they have six players on their roster right like they they might as well like they could go into these games with six guys and do just as well as they're doing with 11 or nine whatever they're running they're running nine um and they sh- probably should be running 10 but yeah quickly in his last let's see um what 17 games is averaging 34 minutes a game like that's a starter, right? Yeah, but, and quickly's I think quickly's time. He's also found there. himself in yeah. in those seventeen games. He's averaging seventeen four and four on forty seven percent from the field. Oh my god, thirty five from three. <laughs> his field goal percentage is finally over, like well over forty percent. This is like a breakthrough. I don't, I don't think how I don't think people realize. Oh my god! Like, well, is, well is the other thing, the other thing about quickly's like field goal percentage is yes, he does. He will put up those games where he just you know he shoots. Where they say tour dates, he shoots tour dates. I love that. I think that's so funny. Um, the tour dates thing. Yeah, no, I, which makes like no that. sense because like four for seven is a tour date. Like it's April seventh, but whatever. Yeah, but like they're thinking like three March eighteenth or some shit like that. Three yeah, 18th. March twenty seventh is a tour date. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, you look at Emmanuel quickly. Even when he doesn't shoot well, it doesn't like he has great games. Yeah, he's just. I mean, he's. He's probably t- like I remember when we first when he first came into the league. One of the biggest question marks of quickly was like you know defensively, like can you really you know what is how does he fit into this? And now he's like consistent, like he's very good defensively. I have no quarrels with what Isaiah, what Isaiah, Emmanuel quickly. I immediately went defense into Isaiah Kiner Falefa, but uh, quickly <laughs> like my I just I just have PTSD from that. But quickly is just like every like we're in year what we year three of Emmanuel quickly just being a really good NBA player. And it's like, at, at what point, at what point are we just like, he's just a really good NBA player. I think he's consistently gotten better year after year. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think he's, he's kind of just been that home run draft pick that, you know, not many people talk about. Like it's, it's kind of I hard. Think to... They've, they hit two in a row home run draft picks in the, in the late first round uh, with right. quickly and Grimes. Um, and then obviously Robinson was a couple, was a couple years before that, but that was also a home run draft pick in the second round. Like the, the Knicks don't, I think they get, they get too much shit for drafting poorly at the top. And most of that isn't their fault. Like, what do you want them to do about RJ Barrett getting that third pick instead of one and two? Yeah. Or, and again, like you would have been there. Are pe- you would have been have an gotten, idiot to take Darius Garland over him. Everyone's people like, have oh, well, Garland's fired better. for that. 
people have gotten fired. I, I don't think you understand. Like people have gotten like I, I don't think people understand when it comes to an executive role. You know, if your entire consensus, you know, if you're the scouting teams and the scouting teams of other uh you know respected franchises are saying RJ over Garland, and you say, Let me think about it, I'm gonna go Garland, like you're getting fired. You know what I mean? Like you get fired for that, you know, like that that gets you fired. No, I, I don't you get you... fired if it doesn't work out. If it works out, I mean, yeah, if it works you... out. But are you really going to, are you like, how many, are you going to bet your entire life, especially with the third um, pick and a prospect at the time, like RJ Barrett, where it was like, it, it felt like at the very least, you were going to get at least a good NBA, like at, at the very least, like a, you know, a number two option on a, on a pretty good NBA team. Like you, you can't, you can't fault the Knicks for picking and that's RJ what you Barrett. Got. Like, right. That's the other and thing the is the top like, pick was just bad luck. The top pick was really just shitty luck. All well, time. I don't know. I feel like you, you should have taken Halliburton. I agree. No, definitely. But like it, I, I kind of get where it's weird because like the idea was Toppin was supposed to replace Randall. Right. But yeah, Randall then... decided to like, you know, like I, I, I can get kind of what they were going with. And in a sense, I, I feel like if they were more willing to play quickly in his first year as a starter with the starters, then you kind of look back and you're like, eh, you know what? Ultimately, you didn't get Halliburton, but quickly is pretty good. Like quickly is a pretty good consolation prize. It should have been like Toppin and quickly. You know, Toppin may not have been, reached the heights of uh, quickly, but you get Toppin and quickly, and you feel pretty good about things. But also, uh, but if you Toppin think about never... it, if you and obviously this is a little bit, you know, of a stretch, but if you think about it, like you took quickly at eight and Toppin at twenty five, you're happy with both picks, but you turn around and you look at it the way that it actually happened and you think it's a disappointment. I still think but... Toppin can be like, I think Toppin works well with the bench unit, but it's like, you just don't want your number, like your, your eight, your eighth overall pick playing under 20 minutes a game. It's just not a great look, but I understand kind but of. But he also doesn't deserve he... to play more. What do you like? What do you want? What do you want the Knicks to do? Like at this point, do you want them to bench? I, like, I hate to score? say that, but what do you do? Like right. you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're not gonna limit quickly's uh, minutes unless you want to play them together, which you should. Honestly, that's probably what you should do. It's just play them together. Um, which I think would you bring playing. Go ahead, sorry, my bad. Which would bring some other problems because I don't know if you can sustain that for a long period of time defensively. But five minutes a game is not gonna hurt you. Playing them together, you'll have incredible offense for those five minutes. I think they they should try to figure out ways to get more creative in getting Toppin involved, but ultimately, like we're not, you're not like you mentioned, it's five minutes. It's not going to be like some ten minute, you know, guy goes from you know, uh, rotational player to getting manual quickly minutes. Like that's just not going to happen, right? Like that's there's there's no reason to do it. You're there's no one's like it would take an injury to Randall really to, for Toppin to get those type of minutes, and that's going to be catastrophic for the team if that happens. You're too far into the season where you know you're not going to be like it's not like you know someone goes down and you're like you know what let's let them you know what let's they're they're down you know let's it's too they're they're supposed to be out for a month and a half eh, screw it let's give them two months off so that they don't you know get injured or anything like that again. Uh, you're you're too far into things where it's like you can just kind of punt for next year because you can play really poorly and still end up with like the eighth or ninth overall pick. You know what I mean? And you're not really much. You're not you're not really getting anywhere with that, or not that you. It's not a, a shot worth taking, but it, it's really not like you did anything in terms of tanking. You know what I mean? 
Um, and, and then the old, you know, like this, this team's too far into it. We're too, like I said this early this, in, the, this, in the season. Also, this team is too good to experiment. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to start go like 10 and 30. You know what I mean? I, I don't need, there's not 48. Which they know. did last year. They right. Last but year. they also, they, they, they were, they were 22 and 21 last year and then finished like, and then they went four and 16, I think in their next 20 games. I read that somewhere. That but, but that team also was playing like you know Kemba Walker and and you know Evan Fournier. Yeah, uh, the other thing though, and I know this is like really really uh, overreaction. I think Jalen Brunson the last few games has been really bad, like problematically kind of ex- bad. I think it's kind of like a. And I know I know a lot of Knicks fans are like, oh well, no, like everyone's. I I, I don't understand how Jalen Brunson went from like. Knicks fans like savior to everyone just like kind of shitting on him or like and people thinking it's like an unpopular opinion to be shitting on him recently which I think is completely unfair which like I think you can I think you can assess the situation and say you know Brunson has not been great the last five games but the first 40 games he was you know a top 15 player in the NBA like, were you really expecting him to be a top 15 player in the NBA for 82 games straight? Come on. Yeah, I I, I think um, I think it's just kind of like natural regression from just like he was playing. I mean, he was legitimately playing like, hey, this is like a number one option on like a really fucking good team. You know what I mean? And I think Which I still think he is and can be. And also, like I'm saying the really one fucking good like, is in like a team that wins like 50 games. as like a fringe finals contender. I don't think we're necessarily there yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the Knicks probably win 45, 46 games. They're, you know, 45 and 37, 46 and 36. I'd be happy with that. I'd be more than happy with that, right? Um, But, you know, you look at what Brunson's done, and even when he's not the, – the the thing about Brunson that we, we've we said the exact opposite about a lot, of, a lot of other guys is when Brunson's not shooting well, he's not playing well because there's not really much else he does. He's, he's – he gets a lot of assists, but a lot of but he's also not a great yeah. passer. He's no, a hundred percent. He's not. He like it's not like there's other factors to his game that makes him. You know, uh, like Jalen Jalen Brunson is a bucket. Yeah, like that's what he is, and he it's scores. kind of funny because like we're sitting like I'm we're sitting here like you know he hasn't been looking great over the last few games. He's still shoot, like he's still shooting well from three, and he's still going to give you a good amount of points. Like one thing about Jalen Brunson is kind of we've kind You're of avoided. I know I am. I know I am. But I'm just saying, like, in a sense of he doesn't have these, like, prolonged stretches of, like, just bricking. You know what I mean? Like, it you have to you have to pick very small samples in order for to find consistent poor performance. Um, oh, definitely. And that's something I can but... really appreciate. I can appreciate just being consistently very, very good as a scorer all year. Uh, but as you mentioned, yeah, if he's not, like... I mean, yeah, you look at him since, you know, January 1st, 12 games. So the month of January. He's averaging 28 points a game on 48, 49, which is actually absurd that he's shooting better from three than two. That, that is actually insane. <laughs> and on high volume too. Yeah, he's taking five threes a game and still shooting better from three. But anyways, uh, and then 80% from the line, which has, I don't know where this came from, where he just starts breaking free throws. Because at the beginning of the year, he was shooting like 94% from the line. Um, But anyways, like his assist numbers are down, which are a little concerning because it's, it's not like an assist, like a potential assist thing. It's like he is legitimately not passing the ball enough, and that might just that might also averaging thirty a game. So, right, it's like do do you want anyone else kind of with the ball? Like there are just stretches where it's like late in a game, closing out a game, and you're like, man, I I just kind of want Jalen Brunson to take the ball and take like take as many shots as humanly possible. I feel like that's 
I, I like as I, I think. Well, yeah, like Randall hit that huge shot yesterday. That eight, that a three when they left him wide open, and and those are the shots I want. Like I need him taking more. Your catch and shoot. Um, he hesitates too much on those threes. Just throw him up. Like no one has a problem with you yeah. shooting that shot. I think the way I look He's at it is like fucking flamethrower. Julius Randall's like Julius Randall's a guy I think should be taking the most shots throughout. Like for an entire game, all four quarters, end of the day, the most shots taken will be it'll probably be Julius Randall. And I and I and I think that's the guy it should be. But if it's like the last two minutes of a game and it's like who do I want taking the ball? Like Jalen Brunson, there's just something to him. And I know this isn't very analytical where it's like, I like there, he just turns on a different fucking motor, dude. Like it's, it's kind of insane. Like late in close in games, he can just go on a, like just an absolute, just absolutely explode on a defense and just like carve them up. Whether it's the only, the only issue with him doing that is that he cannot make game winners. He makes every single shot oh, yeah. in the last five minutes of the game until the buzzer sounds. And once it's a game winner, a buzzer beater, it to be fair. I mean, yeah. I and mean, he's missed like four of them. It's not like a it's like a you know one time thing like that. There was the one game, the overtime game against Toronto, where he took the pull up three that I didn't love, but I didn't hate. Um, that one, that one, not. I thought that was so going in too. Like once. Oh he, yeah, that would have been that been sick at the garden. That one, like. That pissed me off only because the Knicks were not taking threes the entire fucking overtime. And that was the only time they like took a three in like the last two minutes, I think it was. Well, or, and the other thing like is like that would have been because they it like they were dead, right? They were down like yeah. nine with a minute left or whatever, and then they came back and almost won. That would have been sick. But the and, Knicks... it, and then and the best part about it would would have been that it would have been Scotty Barnes who missed the free throw and then gave up the overtime like clinching dunk for Barrett and then missed another free throw. You know what I mean? Like that would yeah. be, I, I, I just don't make Scotty Barnes, but. Neither do I. After the whole Grimes thing, like I, I, I there's just no, like, I'm sorry. If, if it was, if Quinton Grimes said that's a Barnes, he's getting a technical. I, I, I'm so fucking buying. I buy it. Like I look, I know I the Knicks for true. clicks thing. I know the Knicks for clicks thing is gets, gets overplayed at times, but I'm so fucking buying the idea. Like, I'm sorry. I, maybe I'm just like upset about it, but like, I'm so buying that theory that he would have gotten a technical if that happened. But I think ultimately when you're looking at any of those games in general, it's kind of like, you know, if the Knicks just had that bench scoring, you know, that's kind of been the theme of the de- any of the deadline talk is they kind of just need someone who can score. I don't know if you've, we've mentioned him in the episode, but I kind of like Josh Hart. Like, I think he's okay. I don't know how much he's going to cost, but like. I don't think Josh Hart is as much of a scorer as he is kind of an all-around playmaker. Um, I, I get, are we looking, do you think. I guess the way to look at it is like, are you looking for like? Would you? Take- He's also a thirty-three percent three-point shooter, which is really concerning. Yeah. Uh, but you- I mean, like last year he shot in when he got to Portland last year in the thirteen games he played there, he shot uh, fourteen shots a game, averaged twenty points. And then this year he's only averaging ten. Part of that is obviously Lillard and Simons being back when they weren't there last year. But you know, we've seen that Josh Hart can run an offense. Is my main point, right? Yeah. Um, he averages four assists a game off the bench. Yeah, that's where I, I kind of, I'm looking at like, you know, you put him with that bench unit and you're just kind of like, all right, you know, quickly's obviously going to, quickly's always like, always is going to take a, a decent amount of shots. But uh, Josh Hart, you are going to, t- you know, if you're with the bench unit, go fucking crazy. And I'm not sure, I'm not sitting here and saying he's going to go out there and score like, you know, 20 a game or anything like that. But 
I mean, depends on the price. I guess it, it all this kind of comes down to who can they get. Um, like Eric Gordon kind of feels like I don't think they expect I want, much for Eric Gordon. Okay, know? so if we were gonna rank like those those guys who have been talked about, uh, I like Grayson Allen a lot. Uh, Grayson Allen, I think he's a dickhead. It's However, Grayson Allen's like I hate the guy, but yeah, he's, he's such a good three point shooter. He's like, he's kind of exactly what they need off the bench. Although I have I have absolutely zero idea why the Bucks would ever trade him. Like what what would the point of that trade be for them? Neither I mean because I, I mean now that I'm looking at the numbers here, like the ah, man, I really he's fucking a hate this guy. I really hate it. Like I I think he's a, he's he's a massive dickhead, but. I gotta agree with you, man. There's kind and like of... I think the, I think the thing about Allen is a lot of people are like, oh, well, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, people only think he's a dickhead because he was a white Duke guard and they think about everyone. Like, yeah, maybe you could say that about JJ Redick, but Grayson Allen is actually a dickhead. Like, yeah, there there's a difference, right? Um, and then you look at uh, oh, and then the other one, I I really like Terrence Ross. I think that's a perfect fit because he'll be cheap. He is an absolute flamethrower. I feel like and, Ross has been linked to the Knicks a few times also as well. Like, I feel like this isn't the first time. Like, I feel like he's kind of always been. I'm surprised he's lasted on Orlando this long. I, I mean, last year was a down year, so that might explain why they didn't trade him. But um, he's one of those guys where I feel like he's kind of should have been traded a while ago. So I'd be I'd be happy. Oh, with he's that so way. good. He's he's so he kills us, too. So get him off of any other team and I'll feel better about it. It's one of those. Uh, again, I think looking at it from the perspective of what the Knicks need. We're just, I think we're just kind of looking at, Hey, can this guy shoot? Can we, can this guy occasionally go off on a game or two? Like we just need someone that like, especially, and this is, this has been a big issue with their blowing leads too. Like, I feel like you can't ask your starters to, to kind of, you know, not that you can't ask them to play starter minutes, but they're like, they're going to get exhausted. Like, I think you see stretches where they're just exhausted. They're burned out. They can't really keep going the way they would like to keep going and you can't really bring in your bench unit it'd be like it would be irresponsible if you brought in mcbride in like the last three minutes of the game uh and uh, you're trying to you're trying to generate offense like because someone's tired like that's just like you you can't explain that that's just hard to sell to the fan base hard to sell to the media hard to sell to your locker room but if you're bringing like terrence ross or grayson allen or uh josh hart or, or eric gordon like you can expect them to actually get like when they when they when they have make when they have a possession they can actually drill whatever shot they're trying to make you know what I mean or at least from behind the three point arc arc and I think that's something that um is going to help kind of prevent a lot of those blown leads so um you know ultimately that's kind of where I, I stand on the deadline just get someone who shoots someone who can you know give me a uh, uh kind of go off any at any given point in time but uh, those are my final thoughts I don't know if you have any more final thoughts James it's kind of with the situation here. But with that being said, thank you guys so much for checking us out. We appreciate your guys' support. We'll see you guys in episode seven. Peace out.